This recording begins with a reading of the Gospel of the Day. That will be followed by the homily from Father Paul O'Brien. The Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ According to John Jesus went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to where there was a garden into which he and his disciples entered. Judas, his betrayer, also knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas got a band of soldiers and guards from the chief priests and the Pharisees and went there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, knowing everything that was going to happen to him, went out and said to them, Whom are you looking for? They answered him, Jesus He said to them, I am. Judas, his betrayer, was also with them. When he said to them, I am, they turned away and fell to the ground. So he again asked them, Whom are you looking for? They said, Jesus, Jesus answered, I told you that I am. So if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill what he had said. I have not lost any of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its scabbard. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father gave me? So the band of soldiers, the tribune, and the Jewish guards seized Jesus, bound him, and brought him to Annas first. He was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had counseled the Jews that it was better that one man should die rather than the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Now the other disciple was known to the high priest, and he entered the courtyard of the high priest with Jesus. But Peter stood at the gate outside. So the other disciple, the acquaintance of the high priest, went out and spoke to the gatekeeper and brought Peter in. Then the maid who was with the gatekeeper said to Peter, He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the guards were standing around a charcoal fire that had made because it was cold and they were warming themselves. Peter was also standing there keeping warm. The high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I have spoken publicly to the world. I have always taught in a synagogue or in the temple area where all the Jews gather, and in secret I have said nothing. Why ask me? Ask those who heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the temple guards standing there struck Jesus and said, Is this the way you speak to the high priest? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing there keeping warm, and they said to him, He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the one whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Again, Peter denied it, and immediately the cock crowed. Then they brought Jesus from Caiaphas to the Praetorium. It was morning, and they themselves did not enter the Praetorium in order not to be defiled so that they could eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and said, What charge do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, At this, Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews answered him, 
in order that the word of Jesus might be fulfilled that he said, indicating the kind of death he would die. So Pilate went back into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this on your own or have others told you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. So Pilate said to him, Then you are a king. Jesus answered, You say I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? When he had said this, he again went out to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I release one prisoner to you at Passover. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, Now Barabbas was a revolutionary. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him scourged, and the soldiers wove a crown out of thorns and placed it on his head and clothed him in a purple cloak, and they came to him and said, And they struck him repeatedly. Once more Pilate went out and said to them, Look, look, I am bringing him out to you, so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple cloak, and Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the guards saw him, they cried out, Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered, Now when Pilate heard this statement, he became even more afraid and went back into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? Jesus did not answer him, so Pilate said to him, Do you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the power to release you and I have power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me if it had not been given to you from above. For this reason, the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Consequently, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and seated him on the judge's bench in a place called Stone Pavement in Hebrew Gabbatha. It was preparation day for Passover, and it was about noon, and he said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, Then he handed him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and carrying the cross himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull in Hebrew Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus in the middle. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. Now many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, 
and it was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided into four shares, a share for each soldier. They also took his tunic, but the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top down. So they said to one another, In order that the passage of scripture might be fulfilled that says, They divided my garments among them, and for my vesture they cast lots. This is what the soldiers did. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary of Magdala. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple there whom he loved, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his home. After this, aware that everything was now finished, in order that the scripture might be fulfilled, Jesus said, I thirst. There was a vessel filled with common wine. So they put a sponge soaked in wine on a sprig of hyssop and put it up to his mouth. When Jesus had taken the wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he handed over the spirit. Now, since it was preparation day, in order that the bodies might not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath day of that week was a solemn one, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs be broken and that they be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and then of the other one who was crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one soldier thrust his lance into his side, and immediately blood and water flowed out. An eyewitness has testified, and his testimony is true. He knows that he is speaking the truth, so that you also may come to believe. For this happened so that the scripture passage might be fulfilled. Not a bone of it will be broken. And again, another passage says, They would look upon him whom they have pierced. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, secretly a disciple of Jesus for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate if he could remove the body of Jesus, and Pilate permitted it. So he came and took his body. Nicodemus, the one who had first come to him at night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes weighing about 100 pounds. They took the body of Jesus and bound it with burial cloths along with the spices according to the Jewish burial custom. Now in the place where he had been crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been buried. So they laid Jesus there because of the Jewish preparation day, for the tomb was close by. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Genesis, in the second chapter, which has the second creation story, not the one we'll hear tomorrow night, but the second one, 
there's an image of how God creates human beings, very specific. Faithful Jewish and Christian people believe this is God's revealed word. God takes dirt and God breathes God's self into the dirt. This becomes human beings. God breathes. Breath is a verbal noun. It's a noun with an action in it. For anything that's alive that breathes on this planet, breath goes in and breath comes out. Breath goes in, either breath comes out and life is there, or breath does not come out and death is there. In the case of human beings, we know as Christians that we're free. We know that God is an eternal communion of free love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when we read Genesis, we know that this isn't about life like an animal or anything else other than human beings. When God creates human beings, God breathes God's self in, and human beings choose whether to breathe God back. Animals don't make any choice. They breathe, God breathes in, they breathe back. Human beings, when we breathe back, breathe back either God or not God. Doesn't really take a big brain to understand that passage from Genesis. It's why so many children do. God breathes life into us and we choose whether we return life and love to God. If we choose to breathe life and love back to God, we live. If we choose not to, we die. I read the story of creation, that second story, and I understand it. And it's not very scary because it's about a garden and it's about a man and a woman and it's about trees and it's about fruit and it's about evil. And even though I know their choice to not breathe back God is horrible, it doesn't seem that bad. And even when they're cast out of their original state, it doesn't seem that bad. In the fullness of time, 2,000 years ago, God returned to this fallen, sinful world to offer us one final offer of salvation, of our fallenness and our sinfulness. It not only wasn't that bad, it was horrific. To turn away from God is to say, we choose death over life. God so loved human sinful people that in the fullness of time, God became a human being. God chooses in the fullness of time to have God's spirit overshadow a woman named Mary. And she breathes back, yes. God says, I want you 
to receive my child, and she's free like every other human being, and she breathes back, yes. When that child becomes an adult, Jesus, and he goes out into the world, he breathes himself into people's lives. He goes into people's lives as a fully human being, and he breathes himself. He speaks, he acts, he loves, and people once again have a choice in him to say yes by becoming his disciples and living his love that he offers them, or by saying no, by choosing not to live the love that he offers them. Breathe out, choose, breathe back, or don't breathe back. The Son of God offers himself, he breathes himself into people's lives. Once they have a chance to know what's going on, they make a choice. Breathe back his love, or don't breathe back his love. Life or death. The reality that we enter into today, and blessed are you for doing it, is what actually happened that we can understand in a way we can't understand our original no to God. When the Son of God came into people's lives and breathed nothing but love, the reaction from some people like his mother was yes breathe back the love. The reaction of most people was not just, I will not breathe back the love, I will kill him. I so reject him, so consciously, I've heard him, I've seen him act, I've had a chance to reflect on this, I hear who he claims to be, I not only will not walk away from him, I will kill him. I will betray him. I will figure out how to get some money for it. I will conspire with other people. I will lie. I will make up stories. I will assassinate his words. I will drag him in like he's a robber or a thief. I will humiliate him in front of other people. I will smack him. I will strike him. I will go get thorns that I can't even touch, and I'll make them into a crown, and I'll shove them into his head so that he feels how much I hate him. I will drag him out and mock him, and I will nail him to a cross. That's the reality of sin. That's the reality when anybody meets Jesus Christ when we choose to reject him. Jesus enters into that. And the only last possible little what is going on when he says it's finished is that he breathes out his spirit. Why would Judas do all those things? Why would Judas give up Jesus for 30 pieces of silver? 
Why would Pilate go along with that crowd and be so cowardly? Why would those soldiers go along with destroying the life of an innocent person? Why would his disciples run away? Why would people who knew better do this? Why would somebody be so cruel to make a crown of thorns? Why would somebody torture Jesus? Why would someone nail him to a cross? At some point, I hope you get, this is not about those people. It's about you. You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to stpatrickparish.com or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.